This is Robert from Nostalgic Radio Cars. Like most of you, I drive a car or a truck. Well, occasionally, I need tires or just a simple plug or patch. Well, my friends down at Just Tires is the place to go when that need arises. Give them a call at 727-585-9271. They have a convenient location right at 1645 Clearwater Largo Road. You can't miss them. So for all your tire needs, cars, trucks, trailers, new used or just a repair, give Just Tires a call. 727-585-9271. Oh, yeah, and be sure and check out their website, JustTires.net. Do you ever feel the need for speed? Well, experience the thrill of indoor karting at Tampa Bay Grand Prix, located at 12350 Automobile Boulevard in Clearwater. Call 727-527-8464. They have state-of-the-art electric carts racing around a quarter-mile road circuit. Bring your family, friends, and teammates for some speed, fun, and competition at Tampa Bay Grand Prix Indoor Karting Facility. Call 727-527-8464. Visit their website at tampabaygp.com. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Hey, this is Wayne Carini from Chasing Classic Cars, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Hi, this is Bob Varsha with Speed. You're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Okay, listeners, welcome. We are live, and you're tuning in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and as usual, we're here on a Wednesday evening. Hey, Bill, I think I got a technical problem going on in my ear. Is this, you hear some static? Is that me? Can you hear me? Okay. Can you hear me now? All right, we're here. Anyway, hey, guys. Run your computers and Google TownTalk1340.com, and you can see us live streamed here on the Internet, actually, right? That's the way it works. Hey, a couple of weeks ago, we had the one, the only, the whack master himself. We had Ted Nugent on the air, okay? And then Monday night, he had this spectacular, I mean a spectacular concert. And I feel very fortunate because we were able to uh, get uh, what they call a meet and greet pass. So we got to spend a little time with Ted Nugent. And I'll tell you what, he's a really nice guy. If you guys are uh, right-wing wacko conservatives like myself... You're on the same page. You get along fine with Teddy. Uncle Ted, as he likes to be called. But anyway, we got a little clip here. We're gonna, a little thingy we're going to do on uh, the Whackmaster. So listen to this, enjoy this, and then we're going to go right into some music, and I'll come back and I'll uh, yak some more. Thank you very much for inviting me here, and I want to thank the uh, Sheriff's Department and the Police Department and all the heroes of law enforcement. I have Labrador Retrievers at home that need me, but I have priorities. The whole world sucks. But America still sucks less. But with this administration, we are catching up. And tonight in Springfield, Illinois, surrounded by real Americans, we don't suck at all, you know what I mean? But I'm really honored to be here. And stop and think about it for a minute. Ted Nugent, the author of Wang Dang, Sweet Poon Tang, is your featured speaker. (laughs) Are you kidding me? perfect and I'll tell you why it's perfect because I'm defiant I'm 63 years old and when the punks tried to make fun of me for not smoking dope and not being a criminal I not only laughed in their face but I cold cocked them and I did the right thing I stood up against the lie of peer pressure the absurdity 
of this subhuman subculture in America that has incrementally destroyed the greatest nation in the world and now they have a president and I'm going to give it all I got to get these punks out of the White House so we can take this country back. And a lot of people go, well, I don't know. You shouldn't be calling them names. Oh, there are appropriate names. Somebody had a, a, a complaint recently that I used the B word to describe Hillary Clinton. Well, I ask you, if you would side with the gangsters of the United Nations, if you would side with America-hating gangsters around the world instead of the United States of America when it comes to constitutional rights, is there a better word to describe that person? And I'm here to celebrate that the reason my family is so happy, we are so fulfilled. We go to bed at night gratified and satisfied that we put our heart and soul into being the absolute best that we can be. My son Toby is here tonight, and everybody who's met Toby says, that's a great young man. You're darn right he's a great young man, or I'd throw him out. I got nine kids. They all have alarm clocks. They know how to set them. Everybody in my band, everybody in my management, everybody in my hunting operation, everybody involved with anything that I do is the absolute best that they can possibly be, or you're not invited. And I'm here not to condemn as much the America haters that have infested our government. We all know that. People that have attempted to argue that point with me have made complete idiots of themselves, Piers Morgan. Ad nauseum. Have you ever seen me on TV? Do I kill or what? I reek of truth, self-evident truth. I bleed logic. And what the Nugent family, and think about it, I'm, I am the Motor City madman. I really am. When I get on, on stage, I scare people because the music is so intense, because my band is so dedicated, because my crew is so professional.
Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends, Corey, Jed, and Kurt, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radiant Cars. I'd like to tell you about a great place to eat right on the main part of Clearwater Beach. Located at 333 South Gulfview Boulevard. Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill has two floors of food, drink, and fun. They have daily specials, happy hour, nightly entertainment. Their menu caters to seafood lovers as well as land lovers. Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill, 727-608-2065. They're open in the morning for breakfast until 1 a.m. So stop by and visit my friends, Turtle, Eddie, and Polly, and all the girls and staff at Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill. That's 727-608-2065. Mention Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and you never know, you might get a free drink. That's Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill on Clearwater Beach, 727-608-2065. Hi, I'm Barry McGuire, host of Car Crazy Television, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. All right, we're back, and we're live, and you are tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Hey, a couple updates and a couple shout-outs to our friends over there at Showtime Speedway and Showtime Drag Strip. This is uh, my buddy Robert Yoho down there. Did an excellent job bringing those uh, both tracks back to life. Okay, so hey, tonight's Wednesday night, test and tune. Go down there, run your car, have fun. And uh, say a big shout-out and a big hi to uh, Hazley Hood, who's up there in the announcing box. And, of course, this Saturday night, if you want to see some real redneck racing, go check out the boys over there. It's Showtime Speedway, the old Sunshine Roundy Round track. I don't Well, then, hey, that means it's time for a Nostalgic Radio and Cars giveaway. Now, <laughs> doing a great job there, Billy and Bobby. Hey, uh, you know what? If you guys call in, they got to be the ninth caller. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Okay, give us a shout here at 727-441-3000. 727-441-3000. The ninth caller will win. A $10 gift certificate to Krabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill. And then you know what? We're going to throw in an extra Ted Nugent for President bumper sticker and a Spirit of the Wild bumper sticker. So that's the ninth caller. <laughs> okay. Hey, you know what's going on next week? Next week is the big Monterey deal. Okay. So you got the Laguna Seca races, the vintage races at Monterey. You got the car shows. Okay, let me tell you what's going on next week. I mean, they got a really cool show. I've been there a number of times. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to make it this time because 
I got other things on my schedule. My son go back to school and so forth. But nonetheless, they got the Meekum auction, the Gooding auction, the Bonham auction, the RM auction, the Russo and Steele auction. As a matter of fact, later in the show, I'm going to play a clip from uh, the Russo and Steele interview that I did with Drew Alcazar. Okay, that's my friend that started and runs Russo and Steele. Super auction, super quality cars. This guy's a real car guy. Okay, uh, pay close attention because this is probably one of the few guys in the country that actually has a real live. Boss 429 Mustang in his living room. I envy the guy. Okay, I had a B9 once, uh, but I've never had one nice enough to keep in my living room that my wife would allow to stay there. But nonetheless, so the Monterey Historics are next week. The Pebble Beach Concours, the Quail Hollow. In fact, my friend Mike Flint from Hollywood Car Auctions, he'll be there. I get a number of people from here. Bill Warner, who's been a guest on our show from Amelia Island, he'll be out there. Uh, this is one of those events that you got to watch on TV. Uh, but if you ever get a chance, you need to put this on your bucket list. Oh, yeah. We got our guests in the office here, or in the studio, I should say. My buddy Boneyard Bob. He's been with me for about 25, 30 years. He's been hanging around at my junkyard. So if you get a chance and you've got your computer on, uh, tamtalk1340.com, you can see us live here in the studio. And, and we are displaying our beautiful banner, courtesy of the sign shop. My friend Doug did an excellent job on our tricked-out 57 Thunderbird gasser that's uh, clearly displayed on our banner. So if you need a sign, if you need a logo, if you need a decal or anything of that nature, give Dougie a call at the sign shop, 727-392-4852. That's 727-392-4852. Big shout-out to John Woodhouse out there at uh, Classic Cars. Actually, it's uh, Cop Cars Online. Give him a call, 727-536-2677, 727-536-2677. And, of course, Dom Forte, if you need your hot rod boat fix or your classic car, give him a call down there at Forte's Inboard and Auto Connection, 727-544-6440, 727-544-6440. Hey, Billy, what's up uh, next here? What do we got? We got some cool stuff coming on. If you like golf, enjoy affordable golf at Magnolia Valley Golf Club, located on Massachusetts Avenue in Newport Ritchie. Play for as little as $15 after 2 p.m. The club has two beautiful courses to choose from, an 18-hole championship par 72, plus another 9-hole executive par 33. Join their open leagues on Wednesday afternoons at 4 and Sunday mornings at 8. Call 727-847-2342 for tee times or visit their website, magnoliavalleygolfclub.com. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Let me tell you about my company, Gulfstream Motorsports, 727-541-1741. I have over 35 years' experience with classic, vintage sport and racing cars. I do appraisals, consulting, and pre-purchase inspections. Before you buy your next rare classic, the car of your dreams, give me a call at Gulfstream Motorsport, 727-541-1741. Also, due to my 28 years' experience in the auto salvage business, I am very good with wrecks. So if your car has been in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call me at 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for lost value of your repaired vehicle. That's Gulfstream Motorsports, 727-541-1741. And be sure to tune in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, Wednesdays, 7 to 8 p.m. on the Tantalk Radio Network, AM 1340. Okay, we're back, and you're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. And uh, before we get to our little segment here, I will talk a little bit about cars. I don't uh, do that often enough, I am told. So let me tell you what I do. I do appraisals, and I do pre-purchase inspections. 
and I do valuations on classic and antique cars. So if you need those services, please run to my website, GolfstreamMotorsports.com, and check it out. Matter of fact, I think I actually have it here on my uh, computer right now. But, uh, yeah, there's a whole bunch of information on there. Uh, let me tell you about one of the cars that I'm doing here right now. I am doing, okay, just to give you an idea. And we've had Wayne Carini on our show. And we've had a number of uh, collector car guys on. But I'm doing a, or I just finished up, rather, a 1957 Mercedes 300 SL Roadster. Now, now, <laughs> now this car, okay, no, no, no joke, seriously, is the real deal. Now, these cars in perfect restored condition or original survivor condition are somewhere bringing somewhere around seven eight hundred thousand dollars. My guess is this weekend, you know, at uh, Pebble Beach, some of these cars are going to bring some stunning, amazing numbers because with the caliber of people there and the uh, checkbooks that these guys have, there's no telling what's going to happen when you get two guys in a room bidding on a car that one guy wants more than the other guy. But nonetheless, back to this car. So this car here been in the possession of the same guy for about. 25 years. Okay, so he bought the car in the 80s. Now, I can recall when I was 16 years old back in the early 70s, you could find a, a 300SL or a 300SL Roadster, 1400 bucks, 1500 bucks, you know, for an edgy beater, you know, and maybe $4,000 for a nice car. Now, granted, when these cars were new, a 300SL Gullwing was only about $7,000. The Roadster, which came out a few years later, uh, 1957, those cars sold for about... 10000 and change, close to $11,000. So you had to be a person of means to have that type of a car. Well, nonetheless, this 300SL looks like something you'd see on Wayne Carini's show, Chasing Classic Cars, okay, because this car looks exactly like it was standing still, sitting in a barn for probably 35, 40 years, okay, unattended, unloved, just sitting there. Well, the cool thing about this car is when I, when I started looking at it, it was an amazing, solid car. In fact, it was so cool and so impressive, I went and got my friend, who's all, one of our avid listeners, George, okay, we went over and we looked at the car. Now, George is from New York, and he used to work on a lot of these Mercedes-Benzes, and I'm fairly familiar with cars, but what I don't do is I don't authenticate a car. So authenticating means, you know, every nut, bolt, washer, clip, wire, all that kind of stuff. You can still be familiar with the car and still do a good appraisal and a good valuation on the car, but you can't authenticate it saying that this, 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 and this is correct on the car, which is very critical when you're, when you're uh, representing a car for a when you're doing a pre-purchase inspection and, you, and you've got a serious buyer at the other end. So sometimes it's required to bring in an outside consultant that is probably a little bit more knowledgeable than me in some cases. Now, having said that, so I went over and I got George. George was extremely impressed with the car, okay? As a matter of fact, I literally created a love affair with this car because I was so impressed with the car. I kept walking around it and looking at it and looking at it and looking at it. I mean, Mercedes-Benz, the vintage Mercedes-Benzes, okay, let's say the cars in the 50s and 60s were just absolutely amazing cars. Now, granted, the pre-war cars, you know, the old 500s and the 540Ks and stuff like that, those are absolutely amazing cars. The SSs, we're talking late 20s, 30s cars. I mean, that was the golden era of really cool cars. That's the era of Duesenbergs and Packards and Hollywood cars. But nonetheless, so this 1957 Mercedes, I opened the doors, I closed the doors. It just had that classic Mercedes thunk. You can't replace that. And that's something that you only get on the car that's original, that's never been taken apart, because it is really, truly hard, even if you're one of the best restoration shops in the world, to replicate that. So a car is only original once. But then the thing that amazed me about the car is when I drove the car. Um, we took the car down the block. Now, this car has got a 2.9 liters. So let's just call it a 3-liter engine. 
And it's about 225, 230 horsepower. That's what they rated that. Okay. It's got two carburetors on it. Just, excuse me, not even carburetors. I'm sorry about that. The Aston Martin I did was carbureted. This is fuel injected. Okay. Which is really advanced for its time. Beautiful, beautiful car, but it drove like it was brand new. There was not a squeak. There was not a rattle. There was not a noise. It was an amazing car. And what's really interesting is here's a car that this guy's had. And the only thing they've done is maybe fix the brake lines, tighten up a few nuts and bolts here and there, uh, you know, change the oil, put a f- air filter on it and a few things like that. But the rest of the car was just really unrestored, original, nicked and dinged, a few little rust spots here and there, but nothing, nothing major. Now, those cars are also literally a tube chassis car. Now, if you've ever seen one taken apart, it's basically a body that sits on top of a tube chassis. Just an amazingly well-designed car okay they were based off the 300 slr race car that uh, came out in 53 54 and then uh, max hoffman who used to be the uh one of the major importers for mercedes-benz and porsche and jaguar and a lot of cars back in the day out of new york somehow managed to sell the mercedes-benz board members and all those guys that they need to bring this car to the u.s market because this car would just really be a big winner which it turned out to be so in 1954 the car was introduced the first production year technically is a 55 so 55 56 and 57, they came out with the Roadsters. Okay, so they built the Roadsters from 57 to 63. And there was a number of running changes during that period of time. Just slight improvements, which is typical things that they do. You know, they might have refined the car a little bit here and there. But at any rate, I got to tell you that this was an amazing car, and I was highly impressed with it. But this is the kind of cars that you will see out of Pebble Beach. You may see it at you know, some of the other uh, really rare and first-class events here on the East Coast, for example, like Bill Warner's Amelia Island, which takes place in March. So anyway, to go back to this car. So a really, really nice one is probably worth seven, dollars $800,000. That's the mark on these cars right now. This car, because of the condition and because of the demand and because it's original and it's unrestored, I had to put a value of somewhere between four hundred fifty and $500,000 on this car. And it's hard to believe that that's what that car is worth, but it really truly is because of its uniqueness and its rarity. And they only made 500 of them in 1957. That was the highest production run. And then each year subsequently, they dropped down to 200 cars, 300 cars. And then I think in 1963, they only made uh, less, they made less than 100 of them. So, uh, but I actually contacted a number of people to do some research and, um, get some information on these cars. And I called Mercedes-Benz Classic, and I talked to a gentleman out there named Mike Kuntz, I think is his name, German. And um, we talked a little bit at length about this particular car. So just to give you guys an idea, here's a car that has, in its current condition, the way it sits, let's just say roughly $450,000, $500,000. This is called half a mil. Okay, a really, really nice restored one is probably pushing 800000 So I asked him, I said, to restore this car, what could it cost? Well, he says it could be between 2,000 and 3,000 hours to very carefully, accurately restore this car. And I said, okay, so what does that boil down to in terms of dollars, you know, plus parts? He says it could be anywhere between two hundred fifty and $300,000 to restore these cars. Now, cars of this caliper, okay, your Aston Martins, your Ferraris, um, your AC Cobras. It's mind-boggling because most of us around here can think in terms of Camaros and Mustangs. And when somebody gives us a bill for $20,000, $25,000, to restore a car, we fall out of our chair. But if you look at it in relative terms, so your Camaro, which you might pay for, you might pay fifteen, sixteen, twenty thousand dollars for for a decent driver, let's say that's fairly decent car. And now you want this car restored, it's going to cost you probably the same amount of money 
uh, to restore it as you paid it. So now you're going to have $40,000. Well, the market may not be there for that kind of car because a nice Camaro right now is twenty five to $30,000. A nice Mustang is twenty five to $30,000. So having said that, if you guys, when you're out there restoring these cars or buying these cars, make sure that you buy something that's a fairly complete car, original, unrestored, survivor car. Leave it alone. Just tidy it up. That's exactly what this gentleman is going to do with this car. He's not going to restore the car. He's going to leave the car original, leave it unrestored, and that's that's my recommendation too. I guess we'll be back shortly. Pay attention to me, boy. I'm not just talking to hear my head roar. This is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm here at Russo and Steel Auction in Scottsdale, Arizona, and I'm here with my good friend Drew Alcazar. Drew, welcome to the show. Thanks a lot for having me on, Robert. So tell us about you and Russo and Steel and how you're, how this all came to fruition. Wow, that's a long, long story. I don't know. I think it goes back to me probably playing with Hot Wheels when I was a kid with my Sizzler's track. Uh, I ended up seeing uh, uh, what ended up being a 1967 GT500 out parked behind a shed in my local hometown. The guy had painted the whole thing in head-to-toe in primer. Couldn't even tell what kind of car it was, but I knew it just looked cool as hell. And I fell in love with that car, and my very first car was a 1970 Mach 1. And, of course, I had that for about six months. And by that time, I was terrorizing the neighborhood, and I was never home, and so my folks took it away from me and gave me my grandfather's 1963 four-door Galaxy, which I, of course, probably took to the uh, auto shop and uh, tore apart a perfectly good car to find out what made it work. And uh, lo and behold, uh, after uh, having Concord Restorations, my uh, restoration shop out in California, for about uh, 15 or so years, I uh, actually moved out to Phoenix to uh, help Craig Jackson run the uh, Barrett Jackson auction. Did that as his GM for uh, five years from uh, 1996 out of the 2000 and then uh, resigned my position there and had so many folks come up to me talking about the way the old days used to be and how cool the auction was when it was all about the cars and the car people. And uh, I thought, well, it might be kind of nice to get back to those kind of days. And we started the Russo and Steel Project with my wife, Josephine, and 2001 was our very first auction in both Scottsdale and Monterey. And lo and behold, 12 years later, it was an experiment that actually worked. 
Wow, that's super. Now, I'll tell you, one of the things I like about your auction here is, for one, I get, compared to all the other auctions that are going on this weekend, and we have the Gooding auction, we have the RM auction, of course, Barrett, which is right down the street. Yours is the most accessible and the easiest laid out. And i I, I got to tell you that from my heart. I really mean that because I've driven and participated in all of them. The other thing I like about your auction is the way you have it set up. It's like a stadium. So people sit up almost like in bleachers, and you can look down, you can see all the action. What, what made you decide? to do it that way because that's cool well we uh, all of that's done by intentional design uh, we actually have uh, uh, named it auction in the round uh, sort of our patented formula of a, sort of a it's been called everything from a, a gladiator uh, sort of coliseum to a boxing ring to uh, you name it it's uh, the cars are actually ground level uh, they go ground level through the audience and all of the seating is elevated so you have that sort of 360 degree uh, elevated view looking down uh, onto the uh, onto the actual auction block floor uh, with the ringman and so forth so it's it's very interactive it's very emotional a very visceral experience uh you know we did that intentionally i i think if uh, if if it wasn't an emotional experience with collector cars uh, you know certainly the online auctions would have put live auctions out of business uh, years and years ago but uh, there's no question that the passion that really really makes things flow uh in the collector car hobby with live auctions uh and everybody has a little bit of a different flavor but certainly russo and steel we sort of take it to the maximum capacity with the pedal to the metal go wfo and let everybody be right up next to it, uh, getting a good taste of it and uh, uh, being right up next to the cars. That's great. Now, let me ask you a question. How many cars do you have registered and consigned that will be going through the auction this weekend? Well, we're actually, we've exceeded maximum capacity. We, uh, we're actually overbooked, and uh, we took a few late consignments uh, from some great clients that obviously we wanted to take care of. Uh, but we've uh, got uh, 700 cars out here that we're going to be auctioning off. Gates open at 10 a.m. Uh, starting uh, tomorrow, Wednesday. We'll do our gala charity preview uh, event tomorrow night. A uh, great way to get everybody uh, started off on the right foot. Josephine produces that event, and uh, we are benefiting uh, the Boys and Girls Club of Scottsdale here this year. Uh, that event is 100% uh, devoted to them and their charity and benefiting them. And then, of course, uh, Thursday the auction starts. Uh, gates open at 10 a.m. every single day through Sunday. Uh, we'll be auctioning uh, almost 200 cars a day. Uh, so we get uh, cracking, and uh, the auction will run from 10 a.m. until midnight right off Scottsdale Road and the North Loop 101 Freeway. Uh, as you alluded to, uh, very easy access. Uh, come in right off Scottsdale Road, just south of the 101 Freeway. We've got plenty of parking out here. You can park up close and you know walk right in the main auction tent. And some of that ease of accessibility is something that we uh, we work real hard for. I think uh, that's part of what the hobby is really all about: is uh, enjoying it and the experience and having fun. Now you are a car guy too. You know, I mean, a lot of people in the industry kind of look at it from a business, but I've noticed you and as well as a few of the other are avid car collectors and car enthusiasts. So tell us a little bit about your private collection, because I know you do some vintage racing, and I understand there's a very unique story floating around about you, and it's a very rare car that sits in your living room. Tell us a little bit about that as well. <laughs> that makes yeah, you different. The, the, the car in the living unique. room, yeah, that's, well, that's, that is. It It makes me probably crazy. Uh, my, my, my wife is cool. I'm just a car nut, but... Uh, yeah, she, uh, she let me park my Boss 429 in the living room uh, about seven years ago when we did our home. Uh, uh, when we were looking for houses, we joked one time at this one place that the place was so big we could park a car in there. She thought that was kind of fun, and she thought, well, that might be kind of cool. And I thought, uh-huh. So when we did our house, 
my Boss 429, I've had it forever. I bought it in the mid-'80s, and I've, I've had it. It's always been my car, and it's, it's, uh, it, it's a Phoenix native. It was born here in Phoenix, got delivered to Canyon Ford right on Grand Avenue, and uh, it now sits in the living room. But, you know, certainly the tagline of Russo and Steele, uh, the four enthusiasts, by enthusiasts, it's, it's really one that we sort of came up with because it was, it was just sort of so painfully obvious, just the truth. Uh, everybody in our organization is car people. Uh, they dig the cars. They're always doing them. We're out three weekends a month playing with our cars, doing stuff that we'd be doing anyway, even if we didn't have the auction. We, uh, we vintage race. Uh, John Bemis, my consignment director, races uh, uh, the U2 uh, Trans M cars. He also has a B production Corvette. Uh, Bob Paris, my, uh, my uh, check-in director and vehicle operations uh, lead, uh, actually runs a little B production GT350. Uh, I, of course, am, uh, am head over heels about the historic Trans Am cars. Uh, I'm fortunate enough to own uh, Warren Tope's uh, 1969 Boss 302. He actually won uh, the uh, A champion, SECA championship in 72 with the car. So uh, we have a lot of fun on the vintage racetracks with those around the country with the different events going on. We, we rally our cars. We do everything from uh, uh, the, uh, the California Millie, which we've participated on a couple of times. Uh, I'm hopeful that we'll be able to uh, make it on the uh, Copper State 1000 this year. Uh, you know, all those great road rallies we love participating with. Uh, we're at concourse shows around the country. I, you know, we're showing cars, displaying cars at the different concourse events. Uh, we were at Amelia Island a year before last with uh, my PF Cab 2. Uh, we're, we're hopeful. We've just uh, submitted an application for a spot on the lawn at Pebble Beach this year uh, with one of my Ferraris, so we're very hopeful that we'll be accepted, uh, if not this year, hopefully soon for that experience. So we're, we're out there all the time. Concord Elegant shows, vintage races, road rallies, local cruise-ins. Uh, truth be known, we'd be doing this even if we weren't doing auctions. So auctions are just kind of a, a fun byproduct of the enthusiasm that our whole organization has uh, uh, really uh, inherently. Where did the name Russo and Steele come from? Ah, one of my top ten questions. Where did Russo and Steele come from? Well... I think I'm the only auctioneer that just doesn't need the ego edification of having his name and lights on the front door. But <laughs> truthfully, I, you know, I really just wanted to empower my organization with good people that were talented in strategic positions. You know, there's no one guy that does everything. Uh, you know, and again, it's certainly my ego didn't need the edification of having the name on the door. Uh, of course, everybody knows it's Drew and Josephine that run the joint. But, but truthfully, we wanted some of that anonymity to let the organization really run uh, on its own merits with empowering people and their strategic positions to be able to get their job done. So we kind of had some fun with it. Uh, I wanted a something and something kind of a name. Uh, I thought it would be fun, but it, every time I came up with one, it either sounded like a, a Jewish law firm or a, or a mortuary, and <laughs> and Josephine thought it was crazy, and we, all of a sudden we ended up picking up a Pebble Beach program, and we realized that the, the original dark color red on vintage Ferrari is actually called Rosso Robino. Mm -hmm. um, so we sort of anglicized the Rosso and turned it into Russo, sort of representing the, the the sports cars that we do, and then I wanted to get something that sort of represented uh, the, uh, the, uh, the the American muscle and some of the pre-war kind of American iron, and I started thinking, and I thought about steel. We put the E on the end of it just for a little panache, and it all believe it just kind of had a ring to it, sort of Russo and steel was born representing the European sports with Russo and the, uh, the American cars with steel. Super. Now, tell us a little bit about the cars. If I want to consign my car, what do you policies here? In other words, what would I pay as a bidder to get my car in, my consignment fee, my sales fee, and so on? Well, how do they work at your auction? 
Well, we've been unique in that aspect. Uh, we've sort of been on both sides of the spectrum. Um, we uh, actually, as I'm sure most folks know, actually pioneered a 100% reserve auction uh, several years ago. Uh, unfortunately, there was a lot of compromise of integrity in the market that it was occurring with no reserve cars when people were starting to bid on their own cars or having buddies, you know, buddy of theirs, you know, bump up the bidding or buying their own cars back. Things that were just a real compromise of integrity, in my opinion, and we felt very strongly about that. And for a period of time, we were 100% reserve. But we had a lot of clients that came to us and said, you know, gee, I really, you know, I brought the car a long way. I'm really bringing it to sell. And, uh, you know, I want to have the extra added sort of hype that goes along with the no reserve entry and say, uh, you know, really, the car's genuinely going to be sold. So uh, last year, uh, for the first time starting in Scotland, deal, we, we opened up to both reserve and no reserve entries uh, for the first time in quite a while. And uh, it's worked really, really well for us simply because we do allow reserve entries, which, uh, of course, allows uh, sellers to state the minimum that they'll accept before the car is sold. That's with reserve. No reserve, of course, being sold to the highest bidder, uh, regardless of price. And we've got a couple of folks that say, hey, I want that extra added hoopla. So uh, we monitor it very closely. But I think we've got a lot of integrity now, people realizing that uh, cars with reserve are genuinely that, and cars with no reserve, more importantly, are indeed no reserve, and they genuinely are going to be sold uh, to the highest bidder. So it kind of creates that balance. Uh, the consignment process is pretty simple. Uh, we've got a great website. It's all automated. People can go on there, plug in their consignments through the website, and submit them there. My staff, my consignment staff, gets right back with everybody, uh, sends them their paperwork back for signature. Uh, typically speaking, on reserve cars, we do a, a modest entry fee to uh, sort of help cover some of our administrative and marketing costs. And then, of course, there'll be a sales commission that is uh, due when the car sells, uh, 10% on cars with reserve. Uh, we got pretty aggressive with the no reserve program. Uh, want to make that attractive uh, for our sellers that want uh, to elect to choose that option. And uh, here for Scottsdale this year, we introduced it. We excuse me, <laughs> we introduced the uh, the five percent zero entry fee uh, program for no reserve cars. And uh, we've got uh, almost three hundred no reserve cars going to get sold here in Scottsdale. So obviously, there's a lot of folks that see a lot of value in uh, the economics of a, of a complimentary entry fee and then a, a modest 5% sales commission for a no reserve car. Now the mix of cars that you have here, your average cars are a little bit more on the high end in terms of quality, okay? So in other words, it's not like you got your basic Mannheim quality kind of cars rolling through there or Odessa auction cars. You've got a little bit better quality cars, but you've got low end cars as well as high end cars. So the range would run between what? Well, I, I, I appreciate the compliment, Robert. Thanks uh, for, uh, for that. Uh, my consignment team works really hard to uh, really get those quality cars that uh, will build equity, of course, uh, in the brand and uh, keep people coming back. Uh, you know, at the same token, we try and uh, offer a nice variety of cars. You know, we're going to be doing 700 cars here over the next four days, and so you want to have a nice variety, something for all different enthusiast levels. Uh, you know, we'll do a couple of seven-figure type cars. Of course, you know, our, our prototype uh, Cobra that we have here, the 427 Street prototype CSX3127 that we'll be selling, uh, you know, is a, is a very uh, large uh, six-plus figure type vehicle. Uh, of course, the Hemi Kuda convertible that we sold last year for 1.7. Uh, but we have cars all the way down into the teens uh, in terms of their value range. So a broad spectrum of cars trying to uh, really cater to that marketplace uh, with a broad stroke. But, uh, of course, quality, I think, is is key that builds that equity. And, and we work really hard with our clients to, uh, to build that quality. 
truth be known, the cars that we can sign really are sort of, uh, that's kind of our inventory. I think certainly us allowing reserves on the cars has contributed to a lot of the higher quality and caliber cars coming to us because we offer that modicum of protection for the seller with a reserve. And so really well done, exceptionally nice cars, of course, uh, you know, enjoy that opportunity to have a reserve. So I think that's been attractive for them. So I think the last uh, probably five, six years as we've been uh, with that sort of opportunity, we've really uh, made some investments with the quality of cars that are here. But, you know, there's there's certain cars. I've sold a couple of cars here at my auctions uh, two and three times to uh, two and three different clients that will come. And, you know, if you've got a great car, you, you want to have it be enjoyed by someone for a little while. And, you know, maybe you sold them a wonderful GT350 that, you know, had no stories, was original numbers matching, great documentation and paperwork. Or maybe you sold them a Chevelle LS6 uh, with all the documents, paperwork, and original numbers matching engines. But, you know, a couple of years later, Later, that client says, ah, you know, I think I'm ready to try a vintage Ferrari or maybe a vintage Lamborghini or I want to get my feet wet with a, maybe a Jag 120 or even an E-Type. And they'll bring that, the, you know, their muscle car back and they'll sell it here and then buy a European sports car as they taste, sort of move, change, evolve and, and so forth. And, and, you, and you love to have those kind of quality cars back because you know them. I've represented them before. I know the cars well. And I can get a new client introduced to, to that car knowing uh, with confidence that it, it's, it's a great car with with uh, terrific provenance, well cared for by the previous owner, and I know that and have those relationships personally. So I think really those relationships are more important, certainly for Russo and Steele, uh, even more so than, than the cars themselves. You know, at the end of the day, Robert, cars you know, cars are just hunks of metal. They get held off the ground with four pieces of rubber. They're, 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 they don't talk. They don't have emotions. They don't feel. Um, it's really the people attached to them. That That's where the uh, the spirit lies of, of collector cars, and I think the relationships that we have with our clients is really sort of Russo and Steele's trump card in the marketplace. And speaking of market, what is your future perception of where you think the market is? I mean, it's been relatively strong, uh, I would say, in the last year or so. I mean, unlike a lot of things, for example, real estate and a few things like that, obviously, and the stock market, which is, uh, you know... You can't you can't pinpoint it, but uh, but but the thing about cars, it's a tangible asset, kind of like art and perhaps jewelry. But would it be fair to say that the car market is pretty much leveled off and now is like on a pretty serious rebound? I mean, the values have kind of creeped up a little. You mentioned the Hemi Cuda, for example, and a Hemi Cuda, a couple about back 2006 2007, that was the tail end of the peak of the market. And they were pushing close to two million dollars. So if you sold one last year for a million seven, that's relatively close. That didn't drop very much. So, I mean, what's your take on that? Well, there's there's no question that uh, there are market sectors, particularly at the very high end, the real uh, ultra-collectible cars, whether it be Mercedes Gullwings, 250 Ferraris, uh, Hemi Cuda convertibles, LS6 Chevelles with no stories convertibles, uh, L88s, these types of uber-collectible type cars. Uh, that sector of the market is indeed very, very strong, as a lot of folks, I think, are looking to uh, enjoy some of their uh, investment portfolio if you will, uh, with collector cars. Um, those types of blue chip cars, I think, uh, will indeed endure and be fairly safe havens for that money. It allows those uh, collectors to enjoy those cars, too, to do the things that we were talking about, uh, road rallies, vintage racing, Concord Elegance shows, you name it, to where now it's not just an object of art that you sort of have sitting in your garage or hanging on the wall, per se, but something that you're actually using and enjoying, and I think that there's an appeal to that also. Um, 
interestingly enough, it, it, it hasn't been the rising tide rises all ships type um, of uh, situation that it was, say, for example, in the mid-2000s where, you know, if, um, uh, let's, let's pick a car... Um, uh, a Boss 429 was selling for half a million dollars, then every 69 Mustang Fastback was sort of getting drug up along with it, and, and the values were increasing. I think that a lot of the values have indeed stabilized in the marketplace, uh, but there's no question that the, the portion of the market that's moving is really the uber high-end collector stuff. Um, the more reasonably priced mid-range sort of enthusiast level, hobbyist level marketplace right now uh, is reasonably stable. I think the one market sector that continues to struggle, uh, of course, was uh, what was really proliferated during the heyday of the mid-2000s was, uh, and you can call them whatever you want. You can put whatever label you like if you want to call them tribute cars, if you want to call them clones, uh, clones uh, cubic zirconias, fakey doos, yeah. replicas, whatever you want to call them. Um, you know, it's real simple. It's like being kind of pregnant. There is no such thing. You're either pregnant, you're not pregnant. You either were, you either are a hemicuda or you're not a hemicuda. Right. The fact that you were born a 383 or a 318 and somebody took a sawzall and lopped the roof off and stuffed a crate motor into it, blah, 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 whatever. And I'm not trying to pick on hemicuda clones. I mean, it happens to every single car, just like any other clones that are out there. I mean, there's there's TDF Ferrari clones, there's GTO Ferrari clones. So it's not just relegated to American muscle that's been sort of cloned or replicated or what have you. And, and that goes for everything from kit cobras to you name it. That market sector really needs and needed to and has come to grips with the reality that those are not collector cars. Those are novelty cars. Those are cars that people can have to have fun with and play with and enjoy, but there's no inherent collectability in them. Um, They're special I, interest, kind of like. Yeah. I, I, I call them title in the glove box cars. Okay. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, if you get yourself a replica Cobra, and there's great replica Cobras, don't get me wrong. I mean, a super performance Cobra is a great piece to have. They're a boatload of fun. I mean, you're grinning ear to ear when you drive them. Uh, you know, maybe there's a lot less anxiety when you uh, when you have a Hemi Cuda that wasn't born a Hemi Cuda, but it's got a Hemi engine in it now, and you can enjoy burning the tires off and not worry about the fact that you've got, you know, six plus figures, multiple six figures wrapped up in a car. Maybe there's some lure to having the, that release of anxiety, but you want to put the title in the glove box of those cars and just say, hey, you know what? When I'm done having my fun, I've had my fun. Turn around, walk away. Don't get wrapped up into the hype and euphoria that you're thinking that all of a sudden you have a collector car, that all of a sudden Russo and Steele sold a Hemi Cuda convertible for $1.7 million, so your replica Cuda is now somehow extrapolated to be XYZ number of dollars in value. It's non sequitur. There is no relevance to that. So that market sector continues to struggle, I think, simply because a lot of people got carried away with those cars, and they, they the, the, the numbers that they're in them are still substantially more than the market is is trading them for now. But I try and behoove people that are in that market sector. I say, you know, don't get your head all of a sudden wrapped around the fact that you spent 150 grand for some clone, you know, that now is only worth 50 or 60. You know, sell the car if you're feeling ambiguous about it or the pedals have fallen off the rose and move on. Do something else. There's wonderful opportunities in the marketplace right now. Great buys that are still happening. You know, you know, sell the clone and move into something that maybe, you know, that, that maybe was just a Cobra Jet Mach 1 or something like that versus the bling bling, you know, 22-inch wheels with a, you know, 502 cubic inch uh, crate motor or 
something like that. I, I, I'm not trying to look down my nose at those cars in any way. I don't want the other people to get upset or go, ah, you know, Drew's dog in my car. It's not that at all. I just, I want people to be realistic about the marketplace and realize that those types of cars, um, you know, are just really sort of novelty cars and the money that you spend on them is, is, is an investment that you need to recoup through the enjoyment of those cars. Because when you're done enjoying them, don't come back into the marketplace and think all of a sudden that you have a collector car. Because the collector car market is indeed very healthy. It is moving. The very high-end collector cars, many of them have eclipsed the uh, the high watermarks uh, that there were in uh, in the mid-2000s, uh, particularly in some of the European market sectors. Uh, Gull Wings, 250 Ferraris, those types of things uh, are selling for more now than they ever have in history. So uh, I believe that, yes, indeed, the collector car market is a, is a wonderfully strong and robust uh, environment. Um, it's, it's getting very healthy. Um, most of the guys now that have cars, collector cars, you know, they're, they're, their lifestyle is not being adversely affected by having to uh, pick a number, a $50,000 car, a $100,000 car, a half a million dollar car sitting in their garage. Uh, they have the car. They like the car. They're enjoying the car. Uh, if they're going to sell it and get something else, they're doing it because they enjoy it. And, and genuinely, that's where the heart of the hobby lies. And people are doing it uh, the correct way in the event that they have that type of perspective. They're doing it because they genuinely dig it. And that that's what's most important. Kind of what I take from this, then, basically, is if a car has true pedigree and lineage, that's a real collector car. The rest of them, for example, like you were talking about, you know, the, the, the 440 GTX copies, the Roadrunner copies, the GTO copies, the Chevelle copies, in the case with Fords, Torinos, Cobras, and stuff like that, those cars, if you buy them, if you think they're a good deal and you can have a lot of fun with it, and that's really what you should do, you're buying it because you're going to have a lot of fun with it. And I think that's a fair statement. Now, back to the Cobra. The Cobra that you're talking about, the prototype, that would be one of your feature cars here. What else do you have as a feature car here at the auction? Oh, let's see. What are some of our other big dogs that people are going to enjoy coming out and taking a look at? Uh, we have an LED Roadster, uh, a, a, a fabulous car. Uh, one of the few LED Roadsters with bulletproof documentation, tank sticker, uh, all those certifications from all of the known experts and judging bodies. Uh, it is a two-top car with the hard top on the Roadster as delivered from the factory that way. So, again, a, a very uh, spectacular, genuinely collectible Corvette. What year is that one? Uh, uh, that one's 68. Okay. <laughs> Boy, I hope it's a 68. Boy, it might be a 69 now. You know, I tell you what, there's there's a lot of cars running around, so forgive me. I, I it, You know, it may be a 69, Robert. I Forgive me. I, I actually, let it's me okay. recant that. I think it's a silver 69 uh, LED that we've got. Forgive me. Oh, that consigner's going to kick my head in. Um, <laughs> it happens. It's, it's overwhelming. Like, it's like people asking me my CSX numbers and my Cobras. I can't remember them either. So, um, We've also got a 330 Ferrari that we're very, very excited about. Uh, oh, the uh, GTC sitting back the there? The GTC, yeah. A stunningly restored car, platinum level uh, Concorde restoration on that uh, GTC. So we're going to look and look at that one to, to watch. Uh, we're very excited. We have a trifecta of uh, LS6 Chevelles this year. Really? Uh, a lot of fun. We actually have uh, one of the uh, Baldwin Motion cars, and we have the first U.S. delivery LS6 and the last LS6 produced. So it's oh, very uh, interesting. All Chevelles all the time uh, in Russo and Steel this year. But uh, the uh, the supercar registry guys and a lot of those types of enthusiasts uh, are, are really excited about those cars. Uh, we also have the Cherokee Camaro, which is a really, really 
neat story. Uh, one of the uh, Bill Mitchell uh, GM Design Studio cars uh, that's here. Very rare to get a GM Design Studio car that uh, survived the crusher, of course, and uh, fell into private hands. Uh, but this one was actually a given uh, to Augie Pabst and uh, paced uh, various Can-Am races back in the early 70s. And interestingly enough, it's still in its original wrapper. The patina on the car is fabulous. The original sort of almost uh, metal flake red that it is with a clear plexiglass hood scoop with these Weber carburetors sticking through the hood. And the more you look at the car, you see all these subtle little touches that they did. Split bumpers like the Corvettes, little uh, accoutrements inside the interior. It's a it's a really fabulous GM design studio car, which uh, to get one of the Bill Mitchell cars is very, very difficult. There's You can count those cars on both hands. So to have the opportunity of buying one uh, at public auction is, is, uh, is really uh, an extreme rarity. So we're very, very excited about uh, the Cherokee Camaro. And, you know, I could go on and on and on. Uh, you're, you're, it's, like asking me, it's like asking me what my favorite child is when you have 700 of them. Uh, but uh, we're excited about them all and uh, excited to have them on the auction block. So we're getting ready to go here. Super. Now, uh, what, what about television exposure? Is any of this going to be televised? Uh, we are continuing our series on uh, ESPN Classic. Uh, we'll be filming uh, another group of episodes that uh, should be uh, airing in the springtime, early spring. We'll have those. Of course, our website uh, will post all of those uh, uh, upcoming uh, broadcast times for the ESPN Classic shows. So uh, we will, however, be uh, broadcasting uh, live on the Internet uh, on our website. We'll have uh, a live webcast of the auction, a whole bunch of different fun views that people can click in and bounce back and forth on and so they can participate live uh, through the web. That's great. Well, Drew, I want to thank you for taking some time out here. I know it's real busy for you, but thanks for coming on uh, Nostalgic Radio and Cars and being a guest. And uh, I wish you guys uh, great success, and I look forward to hanging out here the rest of the weekend. Hey, thanks for having us, Robert. We'll see everybody at Russo and Steel in Scottsdale. Okay, boys and girls, that is uh, just about it. That winds our show up. I hope you enjoyed the interview. That was uh, with uh, Drew Alcazar, my friend at uh, Russo and Steel. He will be starring at Russo and Steel at Pebble Beach in Monterey this weekend for some great classic car auction. Meanwhile, stay safe, drive carefully, and we'll see you next week. Love your family.